All hands, prepare for the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Stand by for transmission. Well, of course, I'm Marty Hogan. I'm Aaron Gallo. I am Eric Berry. And this is the Starfleet Escape Podcast. For what's tonight? November 2nd, 2012. Yes, that's... it will be played some other time, but it is November second for those who want to know. Yeah, if... I'm breaking that third wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today's episode is favorite alien species, and I guess we'll start with some news. Aaron, you sound so upbeat about it. <laughs> now, news with Aaron Gallo. So, something I found that I thought was pretty cool. Some guys at New York University have developed a technique for using bezel beams to draw particles towards a source, so basically a uh, tractor beam. So something that draws physical matter in. Yeah, so they've only been able to do it with, uh, let's see... 30 micrometer-sized silica spheres. Yep, suspended in water. Towards a laser source. Yeah. Which means in about 30 years we'll be able to move a basketball. No, just kidding. (laughs) Actually, usually when it starts out, it starts out really small like this, mm-hmm. and then it balloons. Like yeah. So this will be the this is the precursor to what we would have as a tractor beam. Right. Pretty Which cool. um I I think history uh like real life history always beats out Star Trek. I mm-hmm. mean, we had the cell phone twenty years after the original series, so I think seeing a full Star Trek tractor beam might be. 25, 50 years in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the transporter beam, quite honestly. <laughs> I, I can't wait for that, but on a, that actually sounds, if you think about that in perception, it's actually more unrealistic than this is. This has, you know, physics. I mean, there is physics to the transporter beam, but I'm, uh, as it stands right now, we don't know how to reassemble <laughs> matter, so... That could we be can a destroy matter pretty easily. Yeah, <laughs> right. And theoretically, wasn't it that you actually would have to make a copy and then destroy it? Yeah, so you would you'd basically be... Um, Destroying yourself. Yeah, so you make a copy of your yourself, like you scan it in, yeah. you destroy the original, then at another location, you, you create would reassemble the copy. a clone. Yeah. Pretty much. So basically, it's a death sentence. Well, uh, yeah, there's th- there's this whole chapter in um, a Star Trek book, like the ethics of uh, Star Trek, mm-hmm. or not ethics, but it's called the like metaphysics of Star yeah. Trek, and they go through this whole thing, like would you be the same person? It's it's crazy to think about it, make your head explode. <laughs> right. Yeah, it brings also into it the whole soul idea. Do you think the soul's con- connected or? disconnected from the actual physical body in, in in physics, you know? Right. What makes us us. But anyways, so they're creating a tractor beam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no no transporter yet. Although they did transport a photon, I believe. Yeah. But I will tell you this. This will be great for guys. You know why? <laughs> tractor beam. We can tractor beam our remote control to our hands uh-huh. and food to our hands. Okay. And we'll just sit there and... You know, we won't have to get up anymore. Well, Wesley Crusher in The Next Generation had a uh, handheld tractor beam. Yeah. So. It'd be great for, get, you know, getting girls. Come here, baby. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but so you, anyways. You never saw that again. No. Like a. Because there's no real practical use for it. I suppose not. <laughs> you get arrested <laughs> for sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah. 
So what else is going on? Oh, this one, I'm actually wicked. The second piece that you put out, we were watching, for instance, my wife, Chris, is a huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh-huh. And it's just been revealed that Heather Landingham, who was, oh, uh, what was her name? Nancy. In, Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. Parts 1, 2, 3, and The New Nightmare is actually going to play a role, a small role, in Star Trek Into Darkness. Nice. Into Darkness. What, are they going to bring Freddy Krueger into Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> that might actually be an interesting mix, that, you know, Scream-ish, Nightmare on Elm Street, Star Trek, I don't know. That's, that would have, I think, more of a Doctor Who-ish kind of tone to it. Star Trek's had some pretty scary episodes, though. I mean, they've gone the, yeah, the like horror route yeah. before. Well, Star Trek Eight. I always said this to Aaron, and I said this to a lot of people when I first saw First Contact. It was kind of like a horror movie because those scenes where they had the engineers going up into the tunnels and you yeah. couldn't see what it was, that was kind of, you know, old-fashioned horror movie type. Yeah, it, totally. it was cool. Yeah, and it was kind of cool how they made it that way. And one of the one of the best movies of the franchise. Yeah, what else is going on, Aaron? <laughs> so next, there is a new iPhone app out from William Shatner. Oh, you gotta uh, be kidding me! Called <laughs> what does it do? Overacting? <laughs> Kinda. It's uh, called Chatoetry. Chatoetry. And basically lets you arrange words into statements, comments, messages, sentences, phrases, haiku, poetry. Or, or just gibberish like we were chatting in words. And uh, when you do this, uh, I guess Wim Shatner like, pre-recorded a bunch of words. So it puts them together. <laughs> so you hit play and it will... So it's a universal translator into Shatnerese. I guess, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... I I, I could do I could do that already. I could do that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You don't need a, an automated machine to do that. <laughs> it's it's not a free app. I don't know how much it is, but oh my it costs God. money. Oh, you have to pay for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His it's William Shatner. Is there any end? Well, yeah. His, <laughs> yeah. Is there any end or edge to his pathos? I mean, come on. He's horrible. Yeah. He's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> but without him, we wouldn't be anywhere. Well, he created a franchise, mm-hmm. don't you know? Yeah, he did. He, he did. Created, I mean, he created he's it all. not afraid to just, say that. Just, yeah. like, just like Walt Disney. Now they'll rewrite uh, history and say that Walt Disney wrote Star Wars. Ah, uh, well. You have that in there, too? I do. I guess let's jump to that real quick since Marty brought it up. In non-Star Trek sci-fi news. It is sci-fi news, yes. Lucasfilm was sold to, to the Walt Disney, Disney Company for $4.05 billion with a B. And you know what the best thing about this is? Not only are they going to make the three following movies, mm-hmm. okay? And that's one thing that that uh, Lucas said he would never do. Now he doesn't have to. Well, Disney's going to. I saw a interview with him yeah. on YouTube that said he wrote the treatments for the next three films. Yes, yeah, but he would not make them. Yeah. He wanted to get... But his whole reason for doing this, supposedly, is that he wants the franchise and Star Wars to live on beyond his life mm-hmm. and his, you know, relative... Kind of what Walt Disney did. Okay. Walt Disney did the same thing. Before mm-hmm. he got really sick, he had sold some of the company off to other sources, including other family members. And then they, in turn, sold off a greater part of it later on so that it would continue to be a corporation. hmm do you realize this? He sold it for 190 million shares of Walt Disney stock. I mean, that's that's why he did it. 
Half of it is stock. The other two point two two point oh two billion dollars is in cash. Okay. Wow. He's a very rich man, and he just made He's a richer. lot of kids and adults happier because it's going to continue. I guess, Erica, you are a big Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the uh, original trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with it as a kid. So, yeah. you Which know, is- the la- the later trilogy, the the prequel trilogy, not so much. Um, it's enjoyable, but it's not like the original. No, not at all. And I'm I'm positive about this. I think Disney can continue what you know Lucas wasn't able to do with. Uh, you know, a, a new trilogy. They can bring back the older actors. You know, yeah. continue Luke and uh, all of their stories. And now they will be age appropriate to maybe the future stories that they want to tell. I, well, I think the, it's a great opportunity. The good news is, is that in the deal, the the co-owner or co uh, I don't know how to put it, the co-chairman of Lucasfilm right now is mm-hmm. becoming the president yeah, the of female, that division. Um, I can't remember her yeah. name. Yeah, and she's also the executive producer. For the movies, mm. so it's like Lucas's, you know, Padawan basically. <laughs> and basically, also what they're gonna do is what they did. I mean, uh, most people don't know this, but Jim Henson's uh, stuff was bought by Disney as well, and that's why they run things. You know, they create the movies. Like the last Muppets movie was Disney. So will Kermit the Frog be in the next Star Wars? I hope not. <laughs> well, he could take uh, Yoda's place. Yeah, exactly. They already have mixed that. Well, what I found funny is I go down to Florida quite often uh, to Walt Disney World, mm-hmm. and they do Star Wars weekends in Hollywood Studios. Okay. And we go down there almost every year for that because it's that enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And this year, there was a lot more Disney stuff mixed into Star Wars. It was a lot more, believe it or not, uh, Jim Henson stuff mixed into Star Wars. And we when were joking you, about when it. When did you go? Uh, June. June. Okay, yeah, because I guess in August, Lucas talked to the actor who played Luke and the actress who played Leia. About Mark Hamill and uh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Carrie about, Fisher. about him selling it. Yeah. And they were in agreement from what I know. Um, well, they wouldn't in it anyway. No, 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 about the sale. He honestly, I think he went to them to find out what their opinion was on the on the idea of selling it. Because well, it was of, already know, done deal. Yeah. But, they're not going to be in the next movies, though. No. no. They've already decided that. They're going to recast. Old. However, well, I... That's, I, I think that's missed potential. Um, especially, yeah. I mean, you could continue their story. I mean, if you're doing Star Trek 7... Or on Star Wars 7. Seven. <laughs> like, why not continue or at least have them appear at I some think, point of it? I, I think I it'd think be great to it. see, you know, a, a Jedi, old Jedi master, Luke yeah. Skywalker. That'd be amazing. They approached him when they did the prequels to play a character where he'd be noticeably him in it, but not obviously Luke. And Mark Hamill said absolutely not. You know, it was a new it was a new generation. I've heard stories that Carrie Fisher wants nothing to do with the future movies. She's done with that type of thing. So I don't know if it's just personal, they just they're older, they're trying to retire. I mean I'd love to make the money from the movie if I was in it. I guess you also gotta realize that in the future storyline and we're getting too much into Star Tre- Star Wars for Star Trek show, yes, but yes. <laughs> The future uh, storyline is that Luke actually goes to the dark side and partially works for the Emperor, and they bring the Emperor back. There's a lot of storylines in there that they said they could have used with that. 
Mm-hmm. And so it would be great to have Mark Hamill, but he, he even retired being the Joker. You know that? I heard that. Yeah. 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 I think he just wants to retire altogether. Star All right. Wars. So what else we have? Oh, my so, God. Think Geek. Uh, I, I, you always do. I went on, yeah. I went on the website the other day. Is uh, that the place that did the pajamas? No. Oh, okay. No. But Think Geek uh, has officially licensed TOS socks. Socks. And you get nice. us. You get a set of three. Yeah. So you get the Command Gold, the Operations Red, and the Science Blue. One size fits all. That's a lot. I forgot how much they cost. I think they're like twenty. It's a nice Christmas uh, bucks, Christmas yeah. present. Yeah. For a Star Trek fan. Right. Problem is, is you really can't see socks when you have your pants on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you have the pajamas to go with it that we said about a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> could be a whole ensemble. Yeah. But I would go. buy something like that. Yeah. And you know there's uh, Star Wars... I mean, it's not... <laughs> <laughs> no, what no, are you're you doing <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> what? Uh, there's a Star Trek robe out there. Yeah, no, that's the the shirt. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it's got the belt and all that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they, uh, they I have wish it. they did it with the, um, the red uniform from uh, the movies. Because oh, you could have oh, the yeah. belt, you know, with the uh-huh. the sash over the side. That would be pretty cool. Maybe we should start our own line. Officially licensed, or? Hell, we're going to get sued <laughs> if it's unofficial. <laughs> Anyways. So next, Eric, do you want to talk about? Sure. Uh, Star Trek uh, is teaming up with uh, Fathom Events to do a celebration of Season 2 in theaters on November 29th. So one night only show. They actually did this um, for the first season mm-hmm. as a pretty much a big commercial to buy the new Blu-ray Star Trek Next Generation sets. So right. I actually went to one uh, a couple months ago, and it was awesome. They sh- to see Star Trek Next Generation episodes on the big screen mm-hmm. is incredible. And to see the the redone effects, it's mind blowing. Oh, they they redid the effects and everything. Uh, yeah, they've uh, cleaned up the effects. All the effects, as I know it, are still the practical effects of the original show. But they've enhanced- they're they're in HD glory. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's really yeah. nice. You know what's funny about that is a, a movie theater always reminded me of the bridge of the Enterprise because of the big screen. When I was a child, that's all I thought of is that's the view screen. Mm-hmm. So it would be cool to see it on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. And for season two in theaters, they're showing q which is the first time that we encounter the Borg. Right. And an extended episode, 13 minutes of additional footage for The Measure of a Man. Which is the famous, is Data, does Data have the rights of a sentient being? Mm-hmm. So they're adding, it's a, th- a new extended 13-minute cut. That will be awesome to see. Uh, some, some more things. They're having uh, never-before-seen interviews uh, with the original cast members, behind-the-scenes look, and just a whole bunch of uh, different features. And, and where is this going to be held? This is at uh, theaters nationwide. nationwide. Uh, you can go to fathomevents.com and uh, search for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of theaters in uh, pretty much all the states. Yeah, there was one in Massachusetts for the last one. Uh, I didn't. I think I was working, so I didn't bother to. Uh, That's a lot. To try to go. No, I'm just 
So I'll have to see about this new one. Yeah, it's uh, November 29th. I'll be working. What, what day uh, is, actually, that? <laughs> is that a Thursday? Or? Yeah, it's a Thursday. Take the day off. I'm teaching a class that day. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. I'll try to get to it. If you can go, we should go. Okay. That's awesome. I, I, you know I'm, what I'm definitely going. <laughs> you, know what I'm, you know what I'm waiting for is if they do season four, mm-hmm. it's got to be. Um, that's to both worlds. Yeah. Mm. And it's that would be awesome. That That's one be. episode I'd love to see. And actually, today, uh, StarTrek.com put up the official trailer for the event. Oh, cool. Nice. I saw the uh, the poster artwork for it, and it looked incredible. Yeah, they're they're going uh, all out with this, and I, I hope they do every season like mm. this, because I, I will go to every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What else is going on? So I think that's it. For news, so we just had Hurricane Sandy at the beginning of the week. Good old Sandra. Massachusetts was affected, but not as great as some other uh, yeah, states in the area. Yeah, I had to go in with my boss to make sure we weren't flooded, yeah. and he stands outside for two hours in the rain. I loved it, every minute of it. But <laughs> he doesn't, we didn't listen, have, he yeah. doesn't listen to the podcast, right? No. Okay. We had uh, pretty bad rain at first uh-huh. and then we had pretty bad wind the wind was pretty bad yeah we didn't have any damage any damage here no and eric you did you have any part of sandy uh the only thing that chicago got was uh increased winds i think we had like 30 mile an hour winds it's good that nobody really got hurt we know that a lot of people got hurt in manhattan and new jersey and uh, yeah. all that area that's horrible but uh thank god nothing happened here Right. So I bring up Sandy because in Star Trek The Next Generation, they have a weather modification that which is designed to dissipate destructive weather phenomena. Phenomena? Phenomena. Uh, phenomena. <laughs> phenomena. So do you think we would ever be able to create something on a global scale that would be able to stop hurricanes, tornadoes? I don't know if you'd be able to do it on a global scale. Mm-hmm. I think you could do it individual areas, mm-hmm. but it's far off. I know that. They can't even predict when it's going to rain, let alone try to make it different. Yeah, yeah. I, I think anything's possible, but controlling the weather, I, I think uh, we won't see that for a very long time. I know we won't see it in our lifetime. Yeah, I know yeah. I know that it's that's closer to becoming really God than you know, or Mother <laughs> Nature than yeah. Than we can right now. I do know that the those those wackos, and I say wackos because they are wacko to drive into the storms, like tornadoes, things like that. Mm-hmm. But they're on the cutting edge of finding out why those type of pressures happen and trying to figure out why. You know, even flying planes into hurricanes mm-hmm. is to try to figure out why the pressures happen and how it gets created. So obviously, if we can, you know, figure out how that's all triggered, you could do something. But and maybe, right now, maybe not by now. the 24th century, maybe we'll have something. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like I said, they can't even predict a snowstorm right now. Yeah. I'm surprised they got Sandy right. Well, actually, they're predicting a possible nor'easter uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, so we we might we get some snow, snow in yeah. Boston. Anything out? Yo, have you had snow yet? No, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're about the second worst place in the country, next to the Northeast. Yeah, in uh, Buffalo. Last last year was actually one of our mildest winters. It barely yeah, we, snowed. We had one snowstorm here all year last year. Yeah, and it but was the weekend of Halloween. Yeah. But but two Februarys ago was the worst that mm-hmm. we had. I mean, we've had like we had like 
eight feet of snow, and that w- that was crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe someday we'll be able to control it. I hope so. Yeah. You had one last thing before our. Uh yeah. So Halloween just passed. So I was wondering if either of you guys have ever dressed up as a Star Trek character. Yes. You have. Yes. I dressed oh. up as Captain Kirk when I was uh, 14. Mm-hmm. I looked like Shat. I had the old uniform on. Okay. My mother actually made the uniform. Huh. And I was amazed because I never thought my mother could sew, but mm-hmm. she made the uniform. It was the old, the, the original series uniform. Yep, the right? mustard, yep. man, yellow. And the funny thing about it was is at the time, and I still am this way, I look more like Shatner in his movie years, you know, the <laughs> belly and the... Yeah, and... It just looked kind of funny because it was, you know, it's kind of spandex. The material that she uses kind of spandexy, mm-hmm. and that's not good for a fat kid. <laughs> um, but it looked really cool. I dressed up as that, and then off note, as far as aliens or anything, I dressed up as Darth Maul twice, and I did the makeup exact. And oh, so getting back into Star Wars, yeah, yeah, Darth well, Maul. It's another alien, I guess. But yeah. Eric, you ever dressed up as uh, one of our fabled characters? Um, I, I didn't, I've, I don't think I've ever dressed up for Halloween as a Star Trek character, surprisingly. Well, what about, how about like a Comic-Con or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've had some Star Trek, uh, nerdy shirts, but not a full, uh, uniform. Like a costume, yeah. No, no, but, you know, it's, it's something I'll probably do, you know, the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Why not? Some some people go way far, though, as far as what they do. I mean, you've probably seen them at the conventions. Yeah, even at uh, Wizard World uh, this past summer, I saw a ton of Star Trek costumes just because of um, all the Star Trek guests that were there. And I saw a bunch of aliens. I saw Klingons, Andorians, Orions, you know, the, I know- the whole gamut. I noticed the ones that do the Klingon ones really go all out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's uh, expected with that type of uh, costume anyways. Right. You ever dress up as anything, Aaron? Uh, yes. So I have a next generation. Oh uniform. yes, I remember your party that I didn't get to go to. Uh, you and you and uh, your friend uh, Dan Shula wore. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I have that. I also have uh, the new movie Spock's uniform, the blue. Oh, the blue. And you I have, have that. Yep. And I also have the TOS captain's uniform. So that's what I've dressed up as. Never an alien. Never I've, an alien? No. You didn't, well, you said Spock, didn't you? You had the shirt. I have the shirt. You should have so. gotten the. You should have got the ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got that funky gun that they had in the new game. I meant the new game. The new show. <laughs> the new movie. The new. Yeah, I have the new phaser, but Which, I didn't have it when I got it, that yeah. uniform. I got it after. Yeah, I would like to get if I had the the money to do it and mm-hmm. no reason to use a lot of it because I know that it costs a lot of money to do this. I'd like to get like one of the almost prop like movie uniforms from Novos. Uh, yeah. Pretty much like um the one but the I want the one that comes from like Star Trek two through six. The red jacket uniform. Yeah, that would be nice. I don't know anyone I always that, liked that uniform. Yeah, I don't know anyone that sells it. I think everyone makes those themselves. You know, for a while, in one, I had one of those catalogs uh-huh. a long time ago. This was when I was like in sixth grade, mm-hmm. and I used to order the pens and everything, but yeah. there were companies that made them, mm. and for some reason, I can't find them anymore. They're just probably way too expensive to make. I think uh, Roddenberry.com actually sells uh, uniform patterns, including... Yeah, yeah. The movie yeah. ones. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look out there. I'm going to have to get somebody who knows how to... Who knows how to sew. So. <laughs> the wife doesn't know how to sew. 
<laughs> really? Well, I don't know. Maybe. No. Uh, well, maybe she does. I don't know. Uh, I've never asked. Yeah. I think I'd get beaten if I asked this if she could This could be sew. a bonding experience. Excuse me. Can you sew, honey? Whack. <laughs> uh, anyway, so getting into our topic of tonight. Favorite aliens. These are... I broke it up into three sections. Sections. So humanoid, non-humanoid, and omnipotent. Omnipotent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, humanoid. Yeah. Let's see what we got for humanoid. So we have Klingons. And why are they your favorite? They're not necessarily my favorite, but they're one of the my favorite species in Star Trek. The mo- <laughs> they're not my most favorite species. I have they're other, not voting for you. I have, I have, there are other aliens in Star Trek that I like better than Klingons. Okay. Just don't let the Klingons know that. Yeah, I know. They'll take my head off with a bat left. My favorite... Well, I would say Klingon is actually my favorite because okay. they're the ones that have had the most, I think, exposure in Star Trek. Right. I mean, they, they, there was a huge arc with them in the original series. Kor, was it, from the original series? Kor, Kang, Kang. Yeah. And then the next generation, obviously, Wolf was a member of the, the crew. The crew. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also, they had a lot to do with the Klingons in the next generation as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of questionable. There wasn't like a war, there wasn't a truce, there wasn't anything. And it also came from those years before they had Star Trek VI, so it was ambiguous to what what was going on with the Klingon Empire. There was no history really created for it. And of course, Star Trek, the motion picture, the first thing you see is the Klingons. Mm -hmm. Of course, they look a lot different in that first movie. Right. (laughs) Bigger budget. Yeah, yeah. That first movie, they look a lot different. Yeah. Uh, They even look different than the other Klingons that we'll see. In the future, like the next generation or... And, and even in the other yeah. movies. Yeah. Because their cranial ridges are out, like... They were this, smaller? No, they were big. It was like this big bone that like just went up. Yeah. Kind of. It was, it was weird. But, uh, I'm glad uh, Enterprise kind of explained the whole uh, transition between the smooth foreheads yeah. that we saw in the original series to a virus. the virus the bumpy yeah yeah it was it was actually a great uh great story yeah and actually it was something that needed to be answered for a long time because everybody's like you know we know it's because of budget you know right real world <laughs> really that's yeah. it was limitations but at the same time they look like uh really bad tan stars is what they look like they were like bronze right. in the original <laughs> series with those those Eyebrows. yeah yeah. Big eyebrows and the guy who uh, a funny side thing before uh-huh. we go on. Okay. The guy that played Cole in the uh, original series, mm-hmm. I believe he also played Baltar in Battlestar yes. Galactica. He was in a movie. Chris put on a movie the other night, which was a movie. Uh, it was Henry the Eighth with mm-hmm. Richard Burton. He plays Cardinal Woolsey in that movie, and it was funny because I kept on saying that's cool, and mm-hmm. Chris is looking at me like. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was just that's uh, that's uh, John uh, yes. yes, and he's been in a hundred things. He was a a, a character actor mm-hmm. from the sixties, seventies, eighties. Actually, he was a really good actor. Yeah, I, I really like that he came back uh, for Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole arc too was and, uh, yeah, and how they brought back all the ones that were from the original series. Yeah. It was him. It was um, who else? Kolos. Kolos and, and Kang. Kang. Kang, yeah. With ridges. Yes. And they didn't explain it. Obviously, they, they didn't They also have had them in those. This is another thing. The Klingons, you know, you either saw them in the metal plates, right? Mm. Or you saw them in what looked like really big fur coats. 
Do you ever <laughs> notice that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they live on a planet that's cold. And I knew, well, it was volcanic, but it was also cold. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's. Because uh, they always had. There's people here that wear fur. Yeah, but not all the time. Well, we've seen that in Enterprise. In Enterprise, they showed uh, Kronos and it as, was as a cold, snowy yeah. planet. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Klingons. I think mm-hmm. they're the number one alien to me. Mm-hmm. I would say next to the Borg, really. But yeah. the number one alien, because a lot of the story arc has to do with the Klingons and the Federation. Mm-hmm. I actually have a Batleth. Yes, I, I know that. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you take that outside and a cop finds you, I, you would I'm be arrested. Be, yeah. I'm not going to be taking my Batleth out with me. I would hope not. No. Actually, I know people that go to conventions that bring them with them, though. Actually, uh, Think Geek also has a Batleth letter opener that they that. That. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's a little bit far for me. I would buy that. I would end up cool. It comes with off. a uh, a little uh, base holding yeah. thing. That's pretty cool. I would. I think I want to get that. What happened? I cut my finger off trying to open the mail. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just. What's next? A phaser to open your mail? <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I'd buy it. You shoot somebody by mistake. <laughs> Whoops. Well, uh, off topic, but have either of you guys seen that phaser mod that uses a, a Blu-ray laser? That can actually burn things. It can, it, like, pop balloons and yep. uh, yeah. light Could, matches. Yeah. Wow. We're, we're getting there. You know, it's matches and balloons today. <laughs> it's stunning uh, yeah. bad guys. Stunning somebody tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, stun your cat in the house. All right, so what do we have next? So, I'm surprised you didn't put these people the first because uh, I thought they would be your first. Uh, well, they're, they're well, still Who we're not, speaking of is the Vulcans. Yeah, they're still not my favorites, but the Vulcans. They're one of your favorites, but not your I, favorites. I, there are a lot of you don't species. want to make anybody feel bad. There are a lot of species in Star Trek that I like. Yeah. There are some that I hate. That I didn't put on the we'll list. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but the Vulcans. They're logical. Uh, we learned that they're uh, manipulative. Manipulative? Yeah, yeah. that word. In uh, Enterprise, at least to humans yes. in pre-warp. They believe themselves, as we've spoken before, mm-hmm. previous to Enterprise coming out, we didn't really see that part. Mm-hmm. It was further in the future. We always knew they were kind of stuck up, but not like... Mm-hmm. What we saw in Enterprise and Enterprise, there's a side to them that are very, they're very um, condescending. Condescending, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they're very, yeah, they're very condescending to humans. They think that we're almost a retarded species <laughs> that needs to be held under their control. We're not uh, old enough or wise enough yet to be hopping the galaxy. Right. And they are, they are. I mean, more than in the other series, you see that there's more of the pieces of the population actually are trying to take advantage of the humankind. That's how I see it. Well, no, if I if not I take saw advantage, that. but um, almost use us as their workers. You know what I'm saying? I kind of see what you're saying, but I don't know if I would go that far mm. with it. But we also see that they're also very secretive. They're also um, very. They're also very emotional for for a species that's not emotional. The Achilles' heel is the fact that they got rid of their or tried to get rid of their emotions because their emotions plagued them. Right. I mean, they were very, they were actually very violent species mm-hmm. in their early years, and the whole reason they switched to logic was because they almost destroyed their planet just by themselves. Yeah. And so they took a very different route and became the logical species that 
we currently see in, in the shows and movies. And that's really where you see, speaking of that, the cousins, the Romulans. Right. They're really the outcasts that were, that stayed right. with that type of way. Mm-hmm. Only they learned to deal with it in their own way and became cunning and manipulative as well. Right. <laughs> you know, they kept the emotions, but they almost dealt with it instead of, you know, you think of the Vulcans, they got so scared of what they did to themselves that they avoided it. They didn't deal right. with it. And it's all about suppression and yeah. suppressing the emotions. And even in current Vulcans that we see in the Star Trek series, that can um, really come back to haunt them, especially yeah. during Ponfar or mm-hmm. any time you know, there's some kind of psychological imbalance or chemical or whatever. And uh, they, we've, seen, we've seen plenty of episodes of Vulcans flying off the handle. And they even did it a double whammy by making Spock half human because then they actually, he actually has to face it though. Right. Whereas they don't really have to face it on their planet dealing with themselves. He enlisted in Starfleet, which is mostly a homo sapiens only club um, (laughs) to quote the movie. And um, not only that, but it also forces him to, as we see in the new movie, the new interpretation Mm -hmm. to face his demon, which is the fact that he's half human. Right. Well, what we saw on the movie, the whole reason why he went into Starfleet instead of... Uh, was because they insulted his mother. Yeah, basically because even though he had a... Uh, uh, what's what's the word they used? Um, I think he had, he had a scholarship to the um, Vulcan like, Science, Science Academy. Academy. Right. Yeah. The problem was is that they said even though he had a flaw, a uh, disadvantage, a disadvantage, or something like yeah, that. his his disadvantage, and what was that? And it was his mother, his genetics that made him half human, mm-hmm. and he really had to deal with it. But the the Vulcans really are a it's almost like an aristocratic culture. Mm-hmm. If you're not one of them, they're very us only. They even in the future parts, mm-hmm. they stay very mm-hmm. separated from Starfleet. Mm-hmm. The only one you ever see, really, in Starfleet, other than Spock, Savick, and Tuvok, and Tuvok, is his father, and he's the ambassador. That's the only reason. Do you mm. see many Vulcans? No. Well, Deep Space Nine had a, a ship with an all-Vulcan crew. Right. Yeah. They played baseball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, if you notice, they stayed together. Right. right. Yeah. You know, it was almost like they couldn't. That's actually very weird that Starfleet would allow a whole Vulcan crew to be segregated like that. I don't know if... It's almost reversed to what we see in our history. It's almost like they chose to be that way and Starfleet allowed them to be that way. Well, I mean, the majority of the uh, Starfleet ships that we see are mostly human. Yeah. So you, you can take true. it both ways. Yeah. But of course in, in Starfleet there's only so many alien species too. That's something I never understood too, getting off topic, but... Mm-hmm. When you see the aliens in the movies during the Kirk period, yeah. okay, there's a lot of foreign aliens mm-hmm. that they show in Starfleet, right? Mm-hmm. But yet on the ships, it's all humans. Right. I mean, yeah, it's an I interesting... Know. I think the Federation has a, about 150 um, members. Yeah. yeah, 150 member worlds, yeah. Yeah, so... Which would, at the time, I think that was supposed to mirror the UN. Yeah. Out of that 150, how many are capable of actually serving on the Well, they didn't let any Klingons until Worf. True, but they're not a member of the Federation. Yeah, I guess. And so with the uh, the Ferengi, Nog um, entered Starfleet. He's The Ferengi are not a member of Starfleet. 
Uh, I mean, obviously, the Federation and Starfleet—they are um, different. They well, are they, the they, same, but they're different. Yeah, but and they can make a you know a case for certain species or certain members of species that aren't necessarily part of the Federation if they've proven themselves. Yeah. They can become Federation I citizens. I mean, look at, look at it right. this way. Right. The United States, right? Mm-hmm. If you serve in the military here and you're a foreign-born uh, person, you, after, I think it's four years, you become an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Service in the United States automatically grants citizenship. Oh, yeah, but uh, um, I guess the, the point I was making was uh, not, not all of the members of the Federation are humanoid. Yeah, there might be some yeah. non-humanoid members that can't uh, serve can't on a ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. What I also never understood, and just going off this, is you always see there's a Vulcan, there are Vulcan spaceships. Mm-hmm. So they have their own kind of space force besides the Federation. There are, um, not well, the Klingons do end up joining at some point, I believe, don't in the, they? In future timelines, yeah. they But are. they still have their own ships. Mm-hmm. We're the human ships. There are, there, what I'm saying? There I mean, are, um, there there are, are civilian Annika Hansen's parents uh, in Voyager. No, I agree um, with that, but most yeah. of the Klingon ones, not Klingon, but say the Vulcan ones you see, mm-hmm. they're military. They're not, what do you call it? The Science Academy is really a military branch. I, I think um, with the Federation, I, I've read this before, spe- member species can still maintain their, their own, own fleets. Yeah. But they have to donate, you know, the majority, yeah, to to the Federation. Yeah. It just, you never, like, you never saw a battleship that was Earth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the Federation Starfleet was Earth Starfleet. Originally. So you would just assume that. We're the home team. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty much. But that's a good point. It would have been cool to see, like, say, like an Andorian ship during the Dominion War serving, like, side by side. uh, Well, with with a Federation classification on it because it could be joined into the Federation for service. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. That would have been interesting. Yeah, it could be that um, Starfleet incorporates the technology of mm-hmm. you know all the different member species as well so right. maybe i mean there's obviously a certain design lineage but it can still incorporate technology from many different species right yes they take their uh, biological and technological distinctiveness <laughs> to become part of their own wait a minute no well hold on wait, about. that's somebody that else familiar yeah Next on our list. We kind of talked about Romulans with the Vulcans. Yeah, the backwater cousins. Uh, so the Romulans left Vulcan. In order to avoid the change to logic. They right. wanted to avoid that change in their, in their society. Mm-hmm. So they basically became rejects. But the funny part is they found a planet that was much nicer. Yeah, it's, Romulus it's is much nicer than Vulcan. Right. And one of the things I always thought was weird was in the original series they had a smooth forehead. The uh, Romulans? The Romulans. In the movies, they the have original a ridge. movies, they had smooth. But then when next generation. you get into the next generation, they have like these two protruding bumps, uh, yeah. bumps on their forehead. Yeah, on their uh, eyebrows. Yeah. 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 I think they wanted to make a distinction between them and the Vulcans. More of a distinction. Right. But in the original series, when they first, quote unquote, see a Romulan, they all look at Spock like, oh, that's you, <laughs> kind of like. Well, if you notice in the original series, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I, and it may be just me imagining something, but Spock in the original pilot had some kind of, not a prosthesis, but it there was some kind of 
design on the forehead. It was um, uh, more of a makeup effect. Yeah, a makeup effect, but still it was there. Mm-hmm. When you went further into the original series, Spock didn't have that anymore, but Mark Leonard does when he plays the Romulan. Ah. Yeah, he does. If you watch the original, when he plays the original Romulan, remember. the commander, yeah. he I has do that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And he has okay. that, and I think they just switched the, the role okay. and to make him look more foreign. Mm-hmm. If you also notice their uniforms, the the uh, Romulan... The checker pattern? Yeah. That was weird how they changed to that in the next generation. Yeah. But I guess clothes changed. I mean, Federation changed. Right. Yeah. I mean, the uh, Starfleet uniforms changed. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, their original military had kind of a bird helmet. Yeah, it had a helmet because that's the symbol. Is the is the uh, is it an eagle or is it hawk or uh, some kind of bird? Know. It's a it's a Romulan bird. Of prey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the same thing. It was supposed to be designed like that. So I think that's why they look that way. Hmm. Um, but then getting into the newest movie, yep, they don't have that. They're smooth again. Which um, one? Star Trek. Oh, I didn't really honestly notice. But they have tattoos. And they were from the time period of the 24th century. century. Right. Yeah, exactly. However, I think the tattoos are because he's not military. He's just a... Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm... Like a civilian? I mean, the tattoos are yeah, fine. he's a civilian. Right. But I thought he had some kind of head type of a... Yeah, oh, I think no, you're subtle. right. There was... there was It was very subtle, though. It's a subtle really? thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and you don't know what his history is. He could have been mixed in with another alien species or something. Yeah, one of the things I was reading, I think it was on Memory Alpha. Yeah, the tattoos. This was like a novelization or something. Yeah, but the tattoos is something that Rhinelands get for grief, and but they end up going away because normally you don't embed it too far in. Well, you have to go down to like the, I think it's the 12th layer of skin in order to do a tattoo. Yeah, so Romulans, they probably do it higher. It's almost like a henna tattoo. Yeah, so they eventually go away and that's supposed to be like, you the know, your time of, of grief. Yeah, but the Romulans on narrow ship, uh, you know, got yeah. like permanent tattoos. Yeah, they probably did that because they never went away. They lost their home planet. Yeah. The Romulans are interesting in the fact that I think Star Trek took too much from the page of Rome, made them way too much like the Romans. Even in the design of their capital, I mean, it looks like Rome, ancient Rome. I think Um, that's where they... Romulus and Remus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the fact that they were, you know, brother nations, basically, which Mm -hmm. is what Romulus and Remus are the two founders of Rome. Mm -hmm. And they were brothers. So, I mean... I think they went too far with that. Also, they even took it to the point where the bird holds both of the planets in its right. in its mm-hmm. um, claws, mm-hmm. in its talons. So I, I find that kind of funny that they did that. Right. And then the Remans, are they a different species or are they a product of their environment? I think they are... Uh... They're I a different they're, species, but I think they're an offshoot. It's just the it's product like mix, of the planet. Mix, yeah. yeah. I think that they are originally like a aborigine, if you will, of that planet. You know, mm-hmm. an Indian species, you know, a native species. Yeah. And that's what they use it as. And they mixed with the Romulans and became their, what, their workforce and their, their military. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because you never see them pre that movie. Yeah. But supposedly they fought in the whole Dominion War. and Right. But anyways, they are an interesting people. I think they were, I think they're actually a, better species because they learn to deal, they don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems. But they also dealt with their emotional problems. 
-hmm. in a different way than the Vulcans did. All right, so who's next? Spoonies. Yes, the uh, Cardassians. Uh, I think that's a, a slur. That is a slur. <laughs> is it towards Cardassians? Yeah. Yeah, that's a slur towards Cardassians. The spoonheads. Spoonheads, because the shape of a spoon at the top of their head. Right. right I don't yeah. know what, I mean, that design for that body was kind of weird, though. It evolved from the next generation. I think the makeup got better. Oh, it um, did, as yeah. when time went on. Deep Space Nine was much better than the next generation. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really bring them in very much until the end, the Cardassians. In the next generation? Yeah. Well, they they, they were also there, um, I mean, Star Trek Next Generation set the groundwork that there was a whole Federation Cardassian border war. Right. Um, I mean... The uh, whole Bajoran issue. Yeah, the whole Bajoran issue towards the end. So they, Next Generation did a great job of uh, setting up this new species uh, for Deep Space Nine. I did like their, uh, their ships. They look like prawn. It was quite interesting, their type of societal setup. They were warlike, similar but not exactly like the Klingons, but they were more, like the word says, dominion. They were, they were dominating species. They were very conquering. They were also, um, as far as... Uh, quote-unquote, uh, enemy species go... Uh, I, I mean, they all have their redeeming qualities, but yep. uh, Cardassians, uh, you know, they had... There was no sexism. I mean, they had... Uh, yeah. a, a, a female Cardassian could, you know, become a gull or, or anything just like, like a male one. Yeah. So I think they were a bit more refined as a culture. Yeah. I, I did like the fact that they were non-sexist. You're right about that. There was no sexual competition, basically. They all, you know... Right. They, they were all uh, cunning and ruthless, yeah. all the same. <laughs> yeah. It didn't matter what they were or who they were. They weren't very merciful at all. If you were an enemy, you were an enemy no matter what, and that was it. Especially their um, their judicial system yeah. uh, that we saw in a Deep Space Nine episode. I, f I forget the name. It was with uh, O'Brien. And it, it just showed how completely different they are from the Federation oh. or what we think. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also when they captured Picard and they yeah. tortured him. There are four lights. Yeah. They tortured, they tortured him <laughs> and that reminded me more of the wars that came in the 60s like Vietnam and Korea and things of that because there was that part of it that was brought into it. Almost like a guerrilla warfare. Which which reflects um, how O'Brien talked about the Cardassians during the Federation Cardassian War. Yeah, all the captains uh, went through it. Even Janeway, uh, they've mentioned that a couple times, uh, where she served on a ship and there was a skirmish between the Cardassians and uh, she had to take command. But yeah, so there's a quite an interesting backstory with the Cardassians. Yeah, yeah. And they were it wasn't just they came up like the Kazon and came up with a copy of another another alien in a different place. Right. I also I, I really love some of the characters that we got that are Cardassians. Uh, Garrick. Garrick is, is one of the by far yeah, one yeah. of my favorite characters yeah. in Star Trek. And you can never tell what side he's on, but there is also one of the things I found interesting is as evil as you ever thought he could get or as whatever cunning, there was actually a heart. Yeah. And that's the real complexity to his character, is the fact that he was really complex. Even though he seemed like this simple... Taylor? Taylor, yeah. He was really complex. 
even uh, even Damar, who was a minor background character in the beginning of the Dominion War, really... And he became the head of up. the Cardassians. Yeah. Yeah, he rose up, and then he changed at the end. He's the one that made the decision to back the Federation. Right. And then Gul Dukat, he went three times. He went, he was bad, <laughs> then he was good, then he was bad, then he was good, and then he was bad again. I mean, ultimately, if he hadn't been possessed by the Pirates... Pirates. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think he would have been bad. I think he was just, what do you call it, predisposed to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why he became controlled by it. Especially when they brought his daughter into it. The half. Right. Mm -hmm. But Garrick, I thought the, the funny part about Garrick was, even in the end, you still didn't know what he was. They kept it so close to the, you know, to the cuff. About right. They gave some pieces, but they never said what he was. Um, I actually think he was part of the Obsidian Aura. I think that's pretty much what they hinted at. Um, yeah. But you never got a definite. Uh, I think it was pretty clear that he was. Because they did mention a few... I don't know if it was his father or not that was dying. Do you yeah, remember that episode? Yeah, the fat guy. The fat one? Yeah. That was yeah, his father. It, it was his father, yeah. Yeah, at the end they led on to the fact that it was his father. Yeah, I think... But I think he was in the Obsidian Order as well. Yeah, he was. And I think that's like pretty much where you get your definite answer. Well, when he tortured... um, What's his name there? Remember he tortured, um, was it Bashir? Yeah, he tortured Bashir. Yeah, and he kept on begging him to let him stop because it was torture mm. to him. It actually turned around, and it was actually torture to Garrick, even though he was doing the torture because he didn't want to see it. And you could see that, you know, it was a very complex but very good character. Yeah. And that guy who plays that character, and I forget his name, do you realize he was the bad guy in the first um, Dirty Harry movie? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Andrew Robinson? Yes. He played Garrick, yeah. Yeah, and he was the bad guy. I forget what Dirty Harry. I forget if it's the first one or the second one. Mm -hmm. He was the bad guy. There was there was a picture of the DS9 crew from the uh, convention in London yeah. that just happened, and they had everybody show the picture. It was it wasn't everybody, but I had no idea who that guy was. Garrick was, uh, and other people didn't know. And the Star Trek official Twitter said that's Garrick, <laughs> and uh, then yeah. listed the names of everyone on it. Yeah. Well, yeah. the guy who plays Gul Dukat doesn't look like himself either. No, I think he does. You do? Yeah. I, I think he does, yeah. Do you? Really? Yeah. yeah. It just might be my my <laughs> seeing the difference, but I always thought, the, I always thought when, Garrick when he, looks the same. No, when, when, when Dukat went into... Uh, oh, when he became when he did, human, yeah. When, when he did the Bajoran... Uh, uh, that was disguise. basically him, yeah. Yeah, that was totally him. Uh, I mean, it, it looked like him. <laughs> and there was also um, that episode when Cisco was in like the 1950s. Yeah. And they had like all the crew members as a character in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had uh, Gal Garrett? Dukat. Oh, Dukat. Yeah, as a dude. As a dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought he was going to wear a dress. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess sticking with uh, Deep Space Nine, we'll go on to uh, Ferengi. Oh, the Ferengi, whom they originally started out as one thing yeah. and changed them halfway through. Because originally, if you remember, they were about possessions, mm -hmm. but they weren't like this trading group. They were more militaristic. Right. Yeah. And they were very harsh. They were very... Uh, they animalistic. Yeah. They're electric uh, whips. Yeah, I'm glad they got whips. rid of those. Yeah, but they even look different. Was. If you notice, the guy who played uh, Quark, 
yeah, plays he's... one of the originals. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he looks totally different. I know it's a different character, but they even look. They hunched over. Mm-hmm. They almost walked like they were kind of ape. Yes. Yes. And they hunched over. They walked weird, and they even they sounded different. They weren't even. Yeah. Well, it was the first time you know you see them, and but they did it a couple of times, and it just didn't work. I think that the audience didn't like them. Yeah. I, I'm glad they retooled them for Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Right. I mean, the whole storyline with Picard and the Stargazer. That was an interesting story, mm-hmm. but still, they were kind of... And the whole thing with women, yeah. they never changed that, though. No, that was always the same. Yeah. And they didn't wear clothes. Yeah, that was uh, the last outpost. That was the first time right. we saw oh, them. Yeah. Right. And they had those... One of the things they took away was their ships, they had balls, remember? Everything was in a ball form, like the yeah, controls like, well, the control and everything. The were like spheres. Yeah, yeah. Right. and they had... They almost looked like... Remember the pogo balls? That's what they look like. They had like a round thing around it, a disc around it, and it looked like. And then right. you never saw that again, though. Even yeah, you you did um, in did Enterprise. I didn't. Uh, Enterprise had an episode with the Ferengi. They did it in a way so that you know they didn't realize that's who they were. Or... Yeah, yeah. The, well, there was there was also one in uh, in Voyager, and yeah. they had the sphere. Yeah. Well, that I ship... forgot about the Enterprise one, though. You're right. They just hinted towards who it was, not. Exactly, exactly who it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that the Ferengi that they see in Voyager were the Ferengi from the Enterprise episode. I think the Price. The Price, yeah. Uh, where they go into that uh, unstable wormhole. Right. And they wind up in the Delta Quadrant. Great continuity there. I I loved it. Right. The Ferengi, though, I like the whole banker part because it was different. I mean, the, every society we've seen is about land or being the you know the country. Think of it that way. That. Uh, controls everything, mm-hmm. but they saw it as a money thing. Money was all of the power, even though the rest of those those groups weren't really using money anymore, right. or supposedly not using money anymore. Yeah. I watched the thing a couple of weeks ago where there were bloopers about continuity of the sayings, yeah. and the Ferengis at first say, oh, uh, what was it, gold? That's not worth Dude, anything. I saw that same thing. Yeah. Did I see it with you? Yeah. Gold, it's not worth anything. And then later on, he's like, oh, gold, this is worth a lot. Yeah. And then at the end, they went back to gold's not worth anything. It's, it's pressed latinum, although they have the word gold in that. Gold well, pressed latinum. Gold pressed. Yeah. Yeah, they actually use the gold to press the latinum. Yeah, because latinum, I guess, is liquid. So they have the gold to uh, hold. As a liquid. container. Yeah, but yeah. the gold is pretty much useless, worthless otherwise. Right. But uh, I, I found it funny how there's always those type of things. And then the whole... Picard, we don't have money in the 24th century. I, I like really. <laughs> I I like that the Ferengi are basically um, where we're at now as a society, mm. like uh, materialistic, you know, going with money, and I, I think they were a great parody and a mirror of us. Uh, yeah, a mirror of us, uh, yeah. especially in Deep Space Nine with the rules of acquisition and yeah. all that. What I find funny is you're exactly right. I mean. Do you know how many times a day at work I'm told, well, I really want an iPhone 5? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, why should we buy you an iPhone 5? <laughs> <laughs> because it makes me look better. But, buy um, me an iPhone 5? Upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who's next? The Andorians. My favorite species. 
See, I do like the Andorians mm-hmm. because they were in the original series. Right. They're a big part of the original series, and then they disappeared for a long period of time other than certain brief, shots of them here and legends. there. Yeah. 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 And the and original, shots. what I call the original series movies, mm-hmm. I, I just use that because it's easier to say that way. You see them in certain shots. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. It. That's it. Yeah. You see them in the episode with when Data creates Lal. Yes. And she's choosing uh, her appearance. Yeah. But the Andorian, I don't know if it's because of the lighting or what it was, but it had like a greenish skin. Very greenish color, yeah. Well, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that they have variants on their skin color. They, well, like they, we they, have, they also have variants in their antennae. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh, the original series, the movies, uh, the next generation, Enterprise. even Enterprise. Um, Although all I did like Enterprise's. I think Enterprises was the best interpretation of the... And the fact that they used the guy that played Wayun there. What's his name? Uh, He's a great actor. Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, yeah. Great actor. Underrated. Another one that's underrated. But when he played Tron... Tron. Tron. He was a good... That was a good character. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, I think they're more... That species was another one where they took... They're kind of antagonistic, but they respect people if they stand up to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was the best thing about the Andorans. You have to stand up to them. Yeah, I, I, I've loved the Andorians. I don't know what it is. I, I've, I've always loved them. Uh, I've actually played an Andorian character for several years in a, a Star Trek email sim. I, I have the, the book uh, Among the Clans, which was a Star Trek uh, role-playing book. And I got that book because... That was the only place, aside from the couple episodes in the original series, that, I mean, it f- totally fleshed out their history. Yeah. And I Enterprise love- actually uh, took uh, some, of, some of the information from that book and made it canon, like the, the weapons and some of their history. Yeah. What I loved about Enterprise was the whole backstory with the Romulans. Yeah, and setting up the... Using uh, their uh, underground war. people, the... Uh, the uh, Anar. Yeah. But they're basically the same species, weren't they? Yeah, the Anar are just a offshoot, kind of like the Vulcans. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the Romulans. And yeah. the Romulans, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the wretched rejects. Yeah, except they're... They're more powerful. They have more powers, yeah. Except they're, they're blind. They're blind, and they uh, have, like, telekinetic They have telekinetic, and that's why they use and, them for the ships. And they also have, um, like, a greenish uh, tint to them. Like yes. uh, wow, uh, so they yeah, kind of whitish green, yeah, yeah, whitish green. So they kind of continuity corrected that, mm. kind of like the yeah, because they're not out in the sun or whatever it is that the yeah, 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 well, that, the mole men of uh, because uh, Andoria is actually uh, excuse me, Andoria is actually a, a moon. Ah, I was unaware of that. No, I didn't know that either. Yeah, uh, What's we the saw moon that. Up, do you know? Um, it, it, it's a moon of uh, Andor. Andor. So Andor, Andoria. Yeah. Did they have any people on Andor? No, because it's actually a gas giant. Oh, okay. Oh. So Andoria is a moon of a gas giant, and we saw that in Enterprise. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, very awesome. Yeah. And they're a uh, they're founding member of the Federation. Yes. Wasn't a Shran? Shran, I mean. Shran. Like... The founding member? I think he was because I thought he was. <laughs> well, he was, with, a, he was I thought he was with part. Archer. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was an integral part. Yeah. in their relationship. Yeah, I, I just meant that like the whole species as a yeah. whole was a founding member. Yeah, Vulcans, Andorians, humans, Tellarites. 
Right. Yeah. They also had. I don't know. How did how did you perceive them as far as sexual relations with um, the females? They weren't uh, as. It seemed in Enterprise that the females were more powerful yeah. or at least more respected. Yeah, they could use the. I think what they did was they used the sexuality. Uh, I, I think that so. Because they were really drawn, like Shran was drawn to his commander or whatever it was. There was a female under him. Right, uh, Talus. Yeah, and he was drawn to her almost like she controlled him. Yeah, it was a very interesting relationship. And. Actually, uh, I know the books are are not canon, but in the books they made them uh, a four sex species because of of Data's line um, in a TNG episode where he's like, "Oh well, in Dorian weddings consist of you know marriages of four. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they took that line, and in the books they interpreted it that there's four different sexes to Andorians. I really didn't like that personally. Yeah, Um, but it could make for a different storyline, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. I I think Andorians are a a very cool species. I really like them. So who's next? Uh, Oh, God, the Gorn. The Gorn. You mean the Godzillas of Star Trek? The small Godzillas. Yeah, small Godzillas, but nonetheless Godzilla. That's what they had in mind when they created these guys. <laughs> uh, so in uh, in the original series is the first time we meet them. And there arena. wasn't yeah in the arena. And there really wasn't that much of uh, effects that they could use for it. That's why it looks so yeah. It's just a yeah rubber yeah. mask. In Enterprise, though, I mm-hmm. believe that was much better. It was yes, yeah. in in a mirror darkly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think though that's the only two instances that we see Gorn. That scene from arenas in like pop pop culture, I think. Yeah. Uh, so they're like very well known, I think, even outside of uh, you know nerds like us. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're kind of the cult favorite in Star Trek. Yeah. You know, it's it's that Gorn. classic like '60s uh, monster. Right. Like I said, Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that they brought them back in Enterprise. Mm. I think they should have done something with them prior to Enterprise. I think they could have done something with them in the next generation of Deep Space Nine. You would mm. think they'd be around somewhere. I'm sure they are. Yeah. They're just um, well, sure. there were a lot of original series species that we've never even seen again. It could it could be that um, the Gorn are very territorial, and maybe that's why we haven't seen... They stay to their own, yeah. Yeah. There's also, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but in the behind behind the scenes of the new Star Trek movie, they actually had, um, uh, there was a Gorn prisoner, because they were supposed to visit a Klingon camp. Right, it was supposed to be in um, Ruripente. Yeah, and they took a whole different direction with the Gorn and, and made them, they pushed the design even farther. Yeah. And from the pictures I've seen, I... I wish they didn't cut that scene. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, well, look at the look at the Klingons in that in that scene. They cut that. They have the masks on, and the masks are to cover the fact that at that point they Don't had an ridges. issue with the ridges. Yeah. The, That's how they're trying to write it into the story. The makeup that I saw picture, I, either a picture or something. It's been a few years. It's almost obviously. a ha- Hannibal Lecter. But mask. they have uh, those silver masks on. Yeah. With the ridges, but underneath that, they're supposed to have uh, like scar tissue, slight, yeah, um, from where the ridges Were. would be, yeah, right. Which I think would have been cool. Would have been cool to see. And of ties it in with uh, Enterprise and all that. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, if they didn't use midgets and children to 
film the scene. Did you know that? <laughs> no. When they show them walking down. Oh, yeah. The, when they walk down, there's a scene where they're walking him down the corridor. Uh-huh. It's actually a couple of midgets and a child that plays them because they made a mini set. They didn't have the time to create the whole set, uh. so they created a mini set. <laughs> so it was a forced perspective. Yeah, uh, yeah. I see. It's kind of interesting that they would go to so many lengths to make the rest of it, but they make the mini version right, well, <laughs> for the movie. But, I guess uh, that's why they cut it out. Yeah, I mean... It also didn't make any sense, but... It also... Well, might, it, it, it was also to show was the above, backstory of uh, yeah. Nero. Roropente also, they were going to make it above ground, even though it was snowing. If you notice, it's a camp that has walls. I didn't notice. Yeah, that. the design they showed in the drawings of what they were going to do, it wasn't underground like in Star Trek VI. Mm-hmm. It was above ground. Well, they could have been a. It, it could have been previous to them doing that because the weather got worse. The weather got worse, or. Well, I'm thinking Rorapente's got to be near their home planet. Oh, of Kornos? Yeah. I don't know. And if that's the case, maybe the the issue with the weather was because of the moon praxis exploding or something. Yeah, that could be. Uh, I'm not sure because it seemed that the weather conditions had been like that for a while yeah, in that movie. because it was already frozen, yeah. Yeah. I wish they explored that a little bit more. That and they... the, other, the, other, the other thing I never understood is in the future, in the next generation, mm-hmm. they're still living on... That, that's, that, that makes what, no sense. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Because they were supposed to shut down all the space stations and, the, the, you know, and get um, rid of the neutral zone. Yeah, because Kronos was supposed to lose its 50 air. 50 years. 50 Earth years. Yeah. So obviously they must have been able to fix that. In Enterprise, uh, it was pretty much the same, wasn't it? Except, like, the the architecture might have been a little different. It wasn't as dark. I don't remember being as dark. I, I don't know. But anyways, either way, so let's get to our favorite, well, one of my favorite, the, the last one you have for humanoid, because mm-hmm. technically, but that's not totally true. Have you seen any non-humanoid Borg? I'm sure there are. Oh, the species are Borg, by the way, that we're going to Well, talk you just about next. gave it away totally, but... <laughs> well, I'm sure... Didn't they try to assimilate A472? They were. Yes, they did. They couldn't do it, though, because it wasn't the same biology. They were st- too strong. Yeah. Um, but that would have been interesting if they ever were able to assimilate A472. Mm-hmm. That would have been an interesting story arc. I mean, the Borg were always humanoid, you're right. Mm-hmm. But the Borg were... And that's a, that's a thing that changed a lot from beginning to... I guess, end at this point, mm-hmm. uh, or at least somewhat hiatus at this point. They changed a lot from their first show when they were uh, in The Next Generation. I mean, when they first saw them, they were wearing, I mean, just from a makeup perspective, uh-huh. these guys wore jumpsuits, black jumpsuits. Yeah, like leotards. Yeah, with, with a little gray on. paint on their fa- faces and hands, right? Yeah. And they put on meta, you know, the, the metal pieces, but it wasn't all covering everything. Right, yeah. You know, and they kind of got away from that. They made it look more like it was entwined into the human flesh instead of mm-hmm. attached to the human flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first contact was the big uh, major change with the board makeup. Yeah, and then the whole queen idea. Yeah. Which let's not go over that with Aaron. Just I think you disagree that, with it. Yeah, I think that kind of hindered the Borg in my opinion. But if you think of it this way, they were supposed to be based after a hive. Yeah. And a no, hive no, always I, has a leader. I, I get that. I just don't think it was a It good... was always female too. What a sexist thing. No, I'm just kidding. The uh, <laughs> the Borg Queen. Borg Queen. Well Well <laughs> technically they were trying to make Locutus kinda of like the king. The king, right. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I mean, and that's the funny thing. If she was on that ship, why didn't she ever show herself? 
You know, I mean, that's how the backstory written in yeah. kind of doesn't make sense to me. If right. they had left it out that she wasn't on that ship, but she was trying to communicate with him, it would have made more sense. And then they don't really say whether she was really on the ship either. No, they it makes do. it look like she was on the ship. But remember, she can be in more more than one place. Yeah, but he he says that uh, she was always there. He said he felt her. No, he said that she was always there and like showed a fl- like flashback of like them yeah. embracing. She was always there, though. Could be in mental form only. Uh, true, but I don't think that they would yeah. show like the embrace with a mental. That's the other thing. The first scene of the of first contact. first contact where they show the the cube that he's on when they pull out and the oh, whole, that, that was so different. Back. Yeah, that was so different architecture wise than what we had seen in in the, the next generation. generation. Yeah, and it was like a shock. Mm-hmm. I guess it's where you had to go with it, but it was mm-hmm. so different. You know, they used to look like they were just like decks upon decks yeah. of walking ways and things like that. Whereas with this now, it's like a really a hive. Yeah, I think that the Borg were scarier when we didn't know as much as like say Voyager brought into it. When they made it more human. Yeah, I guess they. And weak. Yeah, I think that they were weaker um, because you knew about the queen and yeah. and the rest. But like with Q in that Q Q who? Yeah, that's hard to um, say, isn't it? Yeah. Q who? They uh, Q says, "Oh, there's no gender." Blah blah blah. Yeah, there's yada, no yada. gender. I think they're all one mind. That was scary. Yeah, because you didn't scary. know how to battle them. Yeah, and the fact, I mean, what I used to love watching is in the next, in the first contact, it was the first time they really fought the ships before they, you know, without dissecting the ships. Mm. When they showed the Enterprise being dissected and they literally cut holes into the hull yeah. and were pulling literally decks, right, cross sections of decks mm-hmm. out of the hull, that was scary. Yeah, because you didn't know how to fight it. Yeah, you know. And the whole thing with their assimilation, originally it wasn't the nanotubes, was it? No. It was something else. It was they got them, they transported them, and then they were changed when they got there. Yeah, it was basically a gradual process of, um, you know, adding on the... And they added them on, yeah. They kind of kept that in first contact, but they got away from it somewhat. Yeah. You know, when you had the nodules, you got you were a base Borg, basically. And they they augmented you after that point. Well, what's great about the um, the Borg is that any of those like kind of continuity issues, mm-hmm. you can just attribute it to they assimilated more species. They got and better they learned technology. more things. Yeah, yeah. That's they true. they advanced ten hundred times faster than anybody else could. But they show Lucutus in the new style. So yeah, that's that's the only problem I had with. Of course, with that's them. just because they didn't have the money to do that back when they did the show. Uh, that yeah, that's true. But oh. they still they still kept the style. It it, it was he still had the, the same the, eye. the same yeah. placement. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was the same look, but it was it was still the newer. Um, yeah. Like the the gray veins in the face and the, it was a lot different. Yeah, it was like uh, like texture wise. Yeah. There was like more to it than. Um, well, they probably spent the twelve hours on that instead of two hours. Yeah. You know, painting them gray and something. I have to say that opening shot of First Contact when uh, Picard has the, um, the Borg, yeah, the Borg prosthetics like bursting out of his, you know, face. Uh, face. That was awesome. So crazy. And it was yeah. the first time you ever yeah. saw a bathroom in Star Trek. I don't know. It was the first time you ever saw a sink or water or a, a, a bathroom being in one of the. They the never showed quarters. that before. 
Live yeah, and, and uh, yeah, because after that we actually saw uh, more of their quarters. Yeah, and we saw bathrooms uh, or kind of bath oh, areas in yeah, Voyager. Don't remind me. Oh, no, <laughs> and, we and saw, saw Neelix. Neelix in, in the tub. In the tub in the first episode. That was before uh, before first contact. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we saw uh, Belana take a sonic shower. First time we ever saw a sonic shower. That's true. Yeah. But the, I wouldn't mind watching that again either. <laughs> but anyways, um, I just I think it's the first time they've really made him more like Star Trek more real. Like that was his office, but it also had like personal, yeah. Yeah. you know, other than the tea, always getting the tea. Right. The other thing about the Borg is that I found that they also changed their story. They always they would always assimilate everybody in the mm-hmm. original in the TNG stories. Yeah. Even, you know, and that changed when they got further into Best of Both Worlds Mm -hmm. because they finally started destroying things. But that's what they wanted was to get more people, more bodies, more minds to assimilate. I I think the evolution of the Borg in Star Trek, they tried so many times to assimilate humans that towards the end it's like, screw it, we're just going to try to destroy them because they are such a pain in our side. And that's yeah. pretty much what happened with uh, with Voyager. It was just the, the Borg had had enough. We're going to assimilate like, the whole planet and take it for ourselves. Right. Yeah. Well, at, at that point, it, it probably wasn't even for assimilation. It was just like, let's completely get rid of them. Because in Voyager, um, I, I think uh, 7 and 9 basically described that, you know, humans are pretty basic. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we don't have a lot As of uh, strengths. Yeah. Yeah. We're a pest, actually. What I find funny, too, the other thing I find funny about it is we never see their home world. The I know it's far away, but wouldn't mm-hmm. you have thought they would have shown it in some form or way, you know what I mean? By doing so, they could have alleviated the whole question of V'ger being well, the Borg. they've shown planets that have been assimilated. But they've never shown the home planet. Well, <laughs> that's you know like I mean. going... That's like going into the middle of a, a, a bee's nest, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't think anyone could get that close to the Borg homeworld without being completely assimilated or destroyed. No, 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 but I mean, what I'm talking about is just showing it, you know what I mean? As a reference point, almost. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think there was any reason to visit them story-wise. Yeah. And then you have to get that omnipresent, like, yeah. they're everywhere. Let me ask you one question, though. I've always had this thought about Voyager at the end. Right. And I think Aaron and I have come to a decision that we disagree about this. <laughs> um, I think that when they destroyed the Queen, now I know we destroyed the Queen before, but I think because it was in that, uh, in the that conduit, I think because they infected them as well, I think they destroyed the book. I think... Um, or the death blow, at least. I think it was definitely... Uh, a major death blow yeah. to the Borg, but there's the possibility that they just disconnected Connect. the hive. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that, now, and we've seen plenty of times in Voyager um, when they become infected or they think they're sick. They, right. Well, they disconnect them. Yeah, and so we've seen a lot of times in in Voyager former Borg that have broken away from the collective and they're able to function. And they're able to regain their memories of their past selves. Yeah. So I think at the worst, the Borg are completely destroyed. And more realistic that they were they were severely damaged, but there's still parts of them that are fine. Right. And it, it could be that they that all the former Borg 
were disconnected, and now maybe they're just Long not drones, the Borg anymore. Yeah. They're just drones that are regaining their humanity. I don't want to say humanity, else. but yeah. yeah, they're you know their their base state. The very word sounds. <laughs> See, I, I would think that they would revert to a state more like we saw, like in, Anna Hansen. Um, no, with Hugh. Yeah, and they don't have their original personality, but they also aren't the Borg. They're kind of yeah. like a clean slate. They don't have the. They get their memories back, I think, because they're just suppressed. I, I think at most the Borg were destroyed. At least the major, yeah. the Queen, in that their, section. their trans warp network. Mm-hmm. So either the Borg are in complete chaos um, and trapped somewhere or in, in multiple places. Right, or the disconnection made all the Borg drones disconnected from the Hive, and there are no more Borg. Mm. There are a offshoot of the Borg, which is those clean slates, but there's no Borg. Right. Yeah. No, what might be interesting? What would be interesting? We've seen with Species A472 that the Borg have been able to go into other dimensions. Fluidic space, yeah. It would be interesting if the Borg could communicate with a Borg from a parallel dimension and and then bring bring them them in. Yeah. Kind of like a SOS signal. Yeah. Because they can time travel they can go into other dimensions i mean so kind of like a like maybe the mirror universe borg yeah. or that would be interesting the mirror universe that would be <laughs> because maybe they don't assimilate to destroy they assimilate to make better like they keep their individuality but they're also connected mm. you see what i'm saying yeah but it doesn't even have to be the mirror universe no. cuz there's you, so many well, parallel look at, dimensions what was the well, um what was the character that they created out of the doctor's um one i think yeah one he escaped i think he's dead is he? Yeah, he sacrificed himself. Oh, he sacrificed himself. But yeah. I am sure that there are others like that mm-hmm. that have well, that, was, you know, like Lore, the ones with, that were with Lore. Yeah, so I, I definitely think if the, the Borg were destroyed, the Queen was destroyed, I think you might see these splinter groups of former Borg. And it, it would be interesting to see... Um, if Star Trek goes farther into the future of the canon. You know, that uh, could be an interesting, almost like yeah. a, a, a feudal version, like wars between Borgs. Like they f- get feudal and they have their own heads. Like but the Kazon? Well, no, but better than the Kazon. <laughs> better than the Kazon. <laughs> Anything is better than better the Kazon. Than the you notice I didn't include them in my list. Yeah, for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can say all you want, either bad or good about uh, Voyager. But we can all agree on one thing. The Kazons stink. Yeah, they were bad. <laughs> I think they needed lie. a new enemy and they didn't know what to do. <laughs> they, Anyways. They were, they, they were a lesser version of Klingons. Yeah. In all the worst ways. Yeah. They had no they had no they had no honor. They had no they were almost like the equivalent of a urban gang. Right. Yeah, I think that's version what they were of the of. Klingon. It was kind of, I don't know, I kinda of, like Klingon meets Ferengi kind of thing, but only uglier. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so who's the next non-human? So we have some uh, non-humans here. Uh, I'm one of them. So yeah, uh, non-humanoid, non-humanoid triples. See, I don't know why you included those because they're more of a. That's more of an animal. Yeah. They're non-humanoid, but they're not in like they're, they're aliens. Not, they're, they're, not they're aliens. Sentient. Yeah, it's not like 
uh, like with the Klingons. Yeah. Would you include uh, uh, the Targ? The Targ. No, but everyone <laughs> knows triples. Everyone likes triples. Not everybody likes. I like triples. triples. I think triples are just like Furbies triples. without eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, really, I, that's what they are. I have a triple, like uh, stuffed triple. I have it's two triples. Triple. <laughs> that's just terrible. Terrible. No. That's terrible. That's triple. Triple. And uh, they so. were interesting because they brought them in in a couple of different places, but they really had. They were a pet, right? They were a pet. They yeah. had no real being or reason. No. Uh, McCoy reasoned that they were born pregnant and well, that they eat. In that case, they're more of a pest. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why the Klingons hated them so much because mm-hmm. Tribbles unchecked. Every, yeah. yeah. Tribbles unchecked could eat a whole planet, yeah. essentially, yeah. of all their grain or think all their food. The, think of it that's this true. way. They are the equivalent, the future equivalent of rabbits in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Okay. They had to actually bring things to Australia. What was it? No, what was it? The, yeah, the rabbits were the ones destroying everything. And they had to bring, I forget what they brought to Australia to kill the rabbits. Mm-hmm. But it made it worse. Yeah, it made it worse. And there's never, ever an answer to any <laughs> yeah, of this. Right. Um, but, but you think that they could neuter them? If they're born pregnant? If they're born pregnant, yeah. It's too late. Well, abort the... Abort what? If they're born pregnant, they're <laughs> pregnant before they're born. Uh, it's like the... The egg and the chicken, they're just, but they're together. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the triples are cool. They're cute. Yeah, uh, they're cute. I, I think it's interesting that um, what, what McCoy says, uh, that they have a, a calming effect, like almost like hypnotic. Mm. So, like cats, like petting a cat. Yeah. yeah, so it's probably their defense mechanism, because so, they're so defenseless. Mm. <laughs> they make you they think they're so cute, and they defend Yeah, And <laughs> as they're destroying your environment... Exactly. They're, they're a pest. All, All right, right, so who's the next? What else is cute that you're going to you know, include in this list? Uh, the conspiracy aliens. Okay, but there's a lot of... I mean, are you talking about the conspiracy aliens? The, the aliens from the episode Conspiracy. conspiracy. Okay, because I was going to say, because there's a lot of aliens that are involved in conspiracies in Star Trek. Yeah, no, the the, episode, the aliens from the episode Conspiracy, which I thought... The were, ones that attach themselves to... Yeah, to the they, back of the head Yeah, and, yeah, and the brain. Yeah, so they go in like through your throat and like kind of um, set up shop in your neck, and mm-hmm. then uh, have like this little protruding thingy yeah. thing uh, the back of their neck, which uh, nobody notices until <laughs> until yeah. it's too late. Yeah, because those <laughs> just because those suits just zip up enough high enough that uh, I guess, and they affected your you physically. You became stronger, uh, faster, kind of like a Dax symbiont, I guess. Very similar. I well, mean, that it is a that doesn't symbiote. affect your uh, strength, but it does your mental ability. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't increase your mental ability. It gives you. It gives you past experience and knowledge. So it does increase your mental ability. Well, not necessarily. If you were like a dumb trill. Have you noticed any dumb trills yet, uh, Esri? Well, but oh, her. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I mean, but anyways, Esri's those conspiracy cute. those conspiracy aliens were interesting because they were basically trying to observe too, weren't they? Observing as well as well, they were trying to take over the yeah. Federation. Actually, in the um, in the pocket books uh, novels, mm-hmm. uh, they say that the parasites are actually closely related to the trill. 
Oh, yeah. really? And then, um, the trill symbiotes and the neural parasites have been fighting a secret war uh, <laughs> with several species worth of hosts and governments as their weapons against each other. Interesting. So it's been a long time. Yeah, that's what I was but, expecting. But, that, but that's not canon. It's no, not but, canon, but it's But I could see it happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the remember the aliens that took over the – it wasn't aliens. It was kind of like a soul, remember, that took over – I think it was in Voyager. They took over the bodies. Was it Deep Space Nine or Voyager? It was I remember an, there was, it was one, an episode of The Next Generation. might have been Next these, Generation, uh, yeah. Things took over uh, – Troy and – Troy, Data – I don't know Which how, makes no sense. Uh, but Data and uh, Miles What, O'Brien. Ghost in the Machine? But, no, they were uh, non-corporeal. Yeah. yeah. So, which I mean, uh, Star Trek has a long history of non-corporeal aliens. Yeah. Which are, not, which are non-humanoid. Yeah, that's true. You can that's include true. them, I guess. Yeah. Um, More than you can Tribbles. But, uh, <laughs> Tribble, uh, well, the cons- conspiracy aliens are one of my favorite. And I think that... They're worth mentioning. They were more worth mentioning, but I also think that they should have been explored more. Probably. At, at the end of that episode, they sent out a signal pointed towards the Delta Quadrant. Interesting. Uh, oh, my oh, my God. There's a Borg version of them? No, just kidding. <laughs> Possibly. But I think it would have been cool to have Voyager, you know... Inter- be, yeah, connected to that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. The whole thing with that book that... That you were just talking about a minute ago, Eric. That would have been interesting to have in there, though, too. Yeah. Because yeah. where they did do the trill, mm-hmm. it would have been like one of those nice things in the like a backstory, like one of those filler episodes almost. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives you some insight to why they existed in the show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we only got the one episode with the conspiracy aliens, and I thought, if anything, that really deserved a follow up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it was kind of like a dun-dun-dun, uh-huh. and then they never followed through. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, they did that with a lot of episodes, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's what Star Trek's about. <laughs> All right, so what's next? The Crystalline Entity. Which was an interesting species, I guess. Creature. Creature. The, we only know of one. Um, but it was it was actually protecting... What was the whole story behind it? Uh, it, like, used... Like it basically ate entire planets for fuel, yeah. pretty right. much. Um, kind of similar to um, the Doomsday Machine, actually. Yes. And similar to the uh, the creature at Farpoint. Well, that didn't destroy. Planets. It didn't destroy, but it controlled things. It's another space-born creature. Yeah, right. that nobody knows why or who it is. Yeah. <laughs> and there's uh, the Tin Man. Yes. I I forget what its actual name is, but that episode Tin Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a lot of those aliens, too, they yeah. create for that type of vehicle for Star Trek, mm-hmm. where it's a question of, do we destroy it to protect other species and planets, mm-hmm. or do we let it continue to do what it's doing, knowing that it's killing people? You know, which is more, do we consider this to be a life form? Right. Because well, it don't look like a life form to me, and it's killing people that I associate with being life forms. Right. That was the whole... In that last episode that we see it where it gets destroyed, we're that doctor beginning, destroys yeah, it. Yeah, we're beginning to communicate with it and then bam. Um, it was it was interesting with the, the crystalline entity and you know other space born creatures that uh, they have the ability to travel at warp. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Especially since they don't you know, they don't have a warp engine as far as I know. <laughs> right. 
But I, I think that's one of the great things about Star Trek is yeah. the different species and you can know do go, different things. Yeah, yeah, and going on the whole notion that hey, it's a big galaxy. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. The one I found very interesting is when they ended up at the edge of the galaxy. Remember that, and they could see those. It was like orbs, the light orbs, mm-hmm. the edge of existence, basically. Oh, you mean in the like center of the galaxy? No, remember when they got thrown out? Was oh, when they went yeah. to like the M13 galaxy. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. yeah. and they saw the edge, and it was like all different types of mm-hmm. light and energy and all that, and that's mm-hmm. what existed over there. That they didn't ex- explore anymore because they couldn't get there, but yeah. they couldn't explore it anymore, but it would have been an interesting because that's new. That's what they're out there for, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what those are, and those entities seem similar to these type of space-born entities. Right. You know what I mean? Almost like there's a there's a there's a, a version of entities above us that are bigger that exist that we don't even know about. How do you hide these things and we don't know about them? It, it's kind of interesting. So let's get to my favorite one. So, well, it's not really my favorite, but it's favorite in the fact that I don't think they did enough to explore it. Well, they were in a few episodes, um... especially the conspiracy when they were trying to create like remember they created this eight four seven two created that space station that looked like Starfleet Command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was they were a conspiracy alien too. Yes, uh, species eight four seven two. Yeah, uh, they were very cool. I thought they had three legs. Yeah, that never made any sense to me. That would get in the way. I would think. Hey, it's three, it, yeah. At least it was completely non-human. Yeah. Like nothing we've ever seen on Star Trek before. And their skin yeah. was different. And everything about yeah. them was different. Yeah, they, they didn't re- even have a neck. Their head was connected on three separate points. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was just it was very weird. Yeah, but they very. were very powerful, and they ripped through the Delta Quadrant, wasn't it? Through their fluidic space. Yes, th- yeah. f- fluidic space, which is a completely different dimension. Yeah. And but they were able to come over and adapt to our space very easily. Yeah, yeah. which is funny because in the same idea, the Zindi. The aliens that were trying to recreate their space, their type mm-hmm. of dimension, couldn't live. Yeah, the sphere builds. in our dimension. It's it's kind of funny how some can, some can't. Yeah. Well, there was that episode. Uh, speaking of different dimensions, in the Next Generation, involved this species in a different uh, a different subspace domain that was abducting people from the Enterprise and pulling them in uh, and doing experiments yeah. on them. And they, I don't think they could come into our dimension, but they were able to take us into theirs. You remember, 8472 also fought even the enemies in the Delta Quadrant. So the uh, what were the ones that were the hunters? Herogen. They fought them. Yeah. And actually the Herogen were, te- were training to fight them because they were trying to stop them from invading their space. Their ships also, here's one thing though, 8472 ships were a total ripoff of Babylon 5. I agree. <laughs> they look exactly like the, uh, oh, what were they called? The, the, the Vorlons? Exactly. Yeah, I, I even, agree. They even acted somewhat like the Vorlons. And they were, uh, it was a living ship. Yeah, same which, thing. Which kind of pulls from uh, Moya from Farscape. Yep. And Babylon 5, exactly. Babylon, they all yeah. steal from each other. It's kind of like the Microsoft story. But I find them to be interesting and the one I wanted to explore more because they were really the adversary to the Borg. Yeah. If there was somebody that could destroy the Borg, mm-hmm. it, it was, was them. them. 
But if they this, destroyed the Borg, we were in trouble. Because the, we the Borg were actually protecting us from them without actually knowing it. And even that's how they described it. Seven and Nine described it that way, too. The Borg right, right, were really the like, only yeah, the only road bump between us and 8472. Uh, Aaron, uh, you actually left off uh, one of my favorite non-humanoid species. Oh, uh, who's that? The Tholians. The Tholians, uh, yeah. They, they were also a, a crystal-type uh, species, mm -hmm. and also insectoid uh, uh, that we learned in Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Right, and they ex exist in extreme temperatures, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yes. and they, they breathed, like, methane and mm -hmm. all the different poisonous gases. Right. Extremophytes, yeah. What was it? That, was that in um, Enterprise that they made one blow up or something? Yeah, because it actually got too cold. Yeah. Uh, for it, and it, it ended up uh, shattering. Yeah. Yeah. So it it was great because in the original series, all we saw was like a head, so we didn't know if that was a helmet, mm -hmm. right? If that was what they actually looked like. So I'm glad that Enterprise uh, took that idea and went completely crazy with it. So that's, a, that's exactly why I liked Enterprise, because you could take those stories that were in the original series, even though it was a little bit pre to the original series, yep. yeah. and you could go with them with the effects. And I, I love their ships. I love the whole web that they did. Um, yep. And it was interesting because, you know, we find out in Enterprise that they were a faction of the Temporal Cold War. Yeah. So the, the ability that even they had the ability to time travel at least in some aspect, uh, a very cool underrated species. I think right, that that yeah. was one of the things they missed out on on uh, Enterprise was that they did not have a good story arc for the Temporal War, and they should have. I think I've said that before. That could have been a really killer storyline. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we would have found out who the hell that guy was. He was a Romulan. He, he had to have been. Yeah, the, because the producers even said that that's what they were going for. Yeah, do you remember how they kind of connected it to the Romulans? Remember when they had the Andorian? That was connected somehow. Yeah. Because it was something to do with that. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they were just, um, in that episode, showing us the precursor to the cloaking device and... Uh, no, but I think it was more than, I think it was like the Ferengi thing where it was like hidden. It was there, but it wasn't, it wasn't you know, right out there. You had to... Put mm -hmm. it together, because he did even sound Romulan the way he talked. Yeah, and just the uh, future guy, like his yeah. uh, his shoulders were. I mean, that profile was so Romulan. The reason the reason I say that is, I always said that the Romulans and the and the Vulcans are very android like. Remember how I always said it? It reminded me of Data almost mm -hmm. stiff. That's why I thought it could be Romulan too. I really right. wish they had gone with that story. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> moving so, on. So the omnipotent ones. Uh, I only have one listed. It there really is only one, well, right? No, there's, you, yeah. There's the Metrons. Yep. From the original series. Yeah, the the original series I think probably had the most omnipotent. God aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the the Metrons were which ones? They were the ones in the uh, Gorn episode, Arena. They were the ones that were controlling the situation and plucked Kirk and the Gorn captain. The, the Metrons were um, the first uh, kind of powerful yeah. race that we saw on um, the original, original series. series. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think they did a lot with the god 
the God idea in the original series because of the time that it came from. Mm-hmm. Because man in the 60s was really grappling with the God issue. Like right. us acting like God, us being able to destroy things like God or create things like God. You know, it's really when we started, and that's where the whole peace movement too came from, was the fact that we we felt a lot of, I think a lot of people felt in that period that they we were taking too much power. We were getting too powerful mm-hmm. for what we are. And I think it translated into Star Trek with that. Mm. And I think it translated well in the next generation with Q because, you know, everything you question yourself about in was really present in Q's personality. Uh, I think Q is one of my favorite characters in general. Well, I like John Delancey uh, anyways. Anything yeah. he's ever been in, I think he's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the way he almost makes you feel like there's almost a, a part of Q in him. You know, he's got that, that character that, yeah. you know... Is this guy screwing with me, or is this guy for real? It's just, you know, I thought his character in The Next Generation was really good in the fact that, like I said before, it bookends the beginning and the end, and Mm -hmm. all the stories in between kind of could be connected to are we taking too much power? Are we doing things right? Are we doing the right thing by, you know, humanity? Going out there. Yeah, and that's why Q, I think, is the dominant character in the series. You can almost say... He is the main... I said this before. He's yeah, the main the, character um, of Star Trek. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I, I, I liked him in Voyager. I liked that they explored uh, more of Q and the continuum in, in Voyager, and we got yeah. to see more Q. And he was more human in that, too. I actually did not like the portrayal of the uh, Q co- uh, continuum No. in Voyager. Why not? Uh, well, they, I, I uh, think it was very abstract. I, I, I loved it. I thought like it was great. That? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I realized that they like had to dumb it down so that humans could perceive what it was. I think that's what they said, basically, yeah. in the episode. But uh, I don't know. I, I Actually, like that's it, a good example, though, because... There was a lot of symbolism, a lot of uh, different interpretation, yeah. and I, I think the continuum was well represented. Think Mm. of it this way. In theory, and this is what we've been taught, whether by religion or mythology throughout life, Mm -hmm. if God were able to present himself or a God figure, we wouldn't be able to understand everything. Mm -hmm. So you would have to, he would have to dummy it down. Right. That's really what religion is, is dummying it down so the humans can understand why the thing that's much more powerful does what it does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it's real or not. Right. I did like that interpretation. Voyager. Okay. I, I guess I'm the minority here. All right, so uh, here we go. Social questions of the week. Yes. This past week, I asked, "What is your favorite Star Trek alien?" And what were the answers? So, so from Twitter. On Twitter, we have at Smart Watermelon. Smart Watermelon. Yeah, we've had this person I know. before. I know. Uh, Andorians from the original series. Uh, uh, and he says somewhere there's a photo of me in full makeup at from a creation con early 90s, uh, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, next, we have this dude named uh, Trekkie... B47. Uh, B47. That's a me. <laughs> uh, oh, wanna, geez, Mario's on the line? Do you want to <laughs> take this one? Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Andorians all the way. I've played an Andorian character in the Star Trek email sim, uh, in, in a Star Trek email sim for many years. I'm very glad that Enterprise featured them. Yes. And uh, next... The Great Magini? Yes. 
Uh, I always thought the Borg were pretty cool. The Borg Queen in First Contact is one of the best sci-fi villains ever. I don't know if I'd say the best, but it's one of it's it's a pretty good one. One of the best in Star Trek, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody beats God. No, just God. So uh, who's next? Uh, at next at Shaw Davis. Uh, yeah, Shay oh. Davis. Oh wait, oh, wait. Uh, Tribbles. They're not an alien. Well, they are, they, but they're, they're not aliens. Uh, at Mister Yellow. Yes, is this one of the ones you added, Eric? I'm yellow. Uh, yeah, yeah, two of uh, my friends commented. Okay. Gorn. So this person says, Gorn, I liked dinosaurs as a kid, <laughs> uh, plus it's one of the first Star Trek episodes my dad ever showed me, stuck with me ever since. And Gorn's pretty cool. They are cool. Yeah. yeah. It's a different interpretation of what an alien can be. Uh, At I- Minty Def? Midi deaf. Midi deaf. Sorry, I'm blind. (laughs) Uh, Humans, because we pwn everyone and have regular foreheads. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's own, not pwn. No, it's it's pwn. It was decidedly pwn. Pwn? Okay, everyone, and have regular foreheads. Oh, my God. (laughs) Really? We have regular foreheads? (laughs) Have you seen some of the people out there? Anyways. Uh, Yeah, so uh, that's actually a funny... Uh, very funny. I like that. Next, from Facebook, we have Eric Dewey uh, from the Four Eyed Critics. Don't stop me. That's right, Four Eyed Critics. Yeah. Uh, Four Eyed. Uh, so Eric says, the crystalline entity, just kidding. I have, to, <laughs> I have to go with a favorite of James T. Kirk himself, Orion Slave Girls. It may not be easy being green, but it seems being green makes you easy. easy. I like that statement. <laughs> Me too. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's um, good. I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's not easy to be green. <laughs> I like that uh, yeah. that Enterprise uh, showed that the, the, the women were in control. Yeah, they, they totally turned it around. Yeah, it was great. And I could see that happening. I mean, that's always, you know, something that's brought up sociologically, um, the whole idea of the oldest profession, you know, right, yeah. prostitution. Right. Who's really running, you know, uh-huh. what is it really doing? Is it the them in charge or you in charge? Or You know, it's a back and forth. So I do agree with that. That's a interesting thought pattern. Right. They're in charge. No. <laughs> Nicole. So uh, Ashley Wong. Uh, she said, oh, Ryan. Slave girls. Uh, Is that like Conan O'Brien? Yeah. Uh, so that's she spelt it O, o apostrophe, apostrophe Y R Y A N. Yeah. So, oh, right. so so I commented, they're always after me, Lucky Charms. Uh, she obviously meant uh, the Orion. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Slave girls. What kind? Orion. Anyway. Uh, I miss the guy that used to do um, Conan O'Brien's int- uh, beginning. I think Andy Richter. Conan stinks. O'Brien. Yeah, I hate yeah. I hate Andy Richter. Anyways, who's next? Uh, so next we have Nicole, and she says Klingon and Vulcan. Right. Angry people who go by logic. <laughs> right. Um, they will logically fight you. Yeah, and then cut your head off. Um, I don't think we've ever seen that actually that combination. Have we? My God, you're kidding me! The next one who answered, uh, my own Christine Isabel, aka Mrs. Martin J. Hogan. Uh, she says Quark. I'm gonna say she means Ferengi. 
But it, what does it say? Edit Ferengi? <laughs> oh, that's you. Uh, yeah. All right. I was like, why did you put Edit Ferengi? No, no, no. Um, yeah, she's Quark. She means the Ferengi because they're bankers. Uh, what she, is my wife? A banker. A banker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Roger. Next we have Roger, and he says Q. Q oh, I R S and T. No. I think Q says it all. Yeah. Yeah. All you need to say is Q. So, and so we come to Aaron's favorite part, and I've got to come up with like some kind of intro music for this because you know <laughs> what puts my quantum flux into so no, my quantum state into flux. What am I talking about? Do you my know quantum flux? Do you know what puts my quantum state into flux? Uh, which state is that? Is that Ohio or is that? <laughs> no. uh, so the term blue alert seems to be used uh, for a few things uh, which are not really related to each other in Star Trek. Uh, so some examples that I uh, collected from Memory Alpha. Mm -hmm. uh, the bridge lighting on the Enterprise turned blue when preparing to enter space dock. In Star Trek 3. Star Trek 3. Which I watched the other day, and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. It does, which is weird because you never notice it until you like until realize you it. it. Yeah. Until you, yeah, you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. It's the best time to attack a ship, too, by the way, because they drop the shields. <laughs> now we know. Yeah, and knowing's half the battle. Yeah. Go ahead. The alert for starships on auxiliary power in 2287 was a blue status screen in Star Trek 5. All right. So when they were in space dock and they were getting ready to leave, yeah. yeah. It also happened, uh, I believe, when they went into power reduction in four. When that thing, oh, I don't know. I it, believe I that's didn't, what happened. But I didn't. See oh yeah, when the um, the soccer the, ball the attached probe. to the yeah, um, it turns. That I believe their power goes to blue when they I'm lose power. I'm not sure. It, it and could, for some reason, know. there's a lot of smoke. Did you ever notice that in that scene with it's the guys talking fire. over? Well, there could have been fire, but... Yeah. So next, uh, environmental system failure or disruption in uh, the episode uh, of Next Generation Brothers. They go to blue alert. Yep. Uh, the Defiant... You know what happens if you don't restore the environmentals after going to blue alert? What? Everybody goes blue. Ha <laughs> uh, The Defiant. <laughs> the Defiant went to blue alert when engaging the Romulan cloaking Which device. Which made no sense to me. In Deep Space Nine, The Search. It, it makes sense to me because um, they're reserving power for the cloak yeah. and yeah. Mm -hmm. drawing down power from other systems. That's true. And then we have uh, Voyager went to blue alert when taking off and landing. Which is something I never liked about that ship. Oh, let's just get feet on a ship. Yeah. I liked it. You did? But then again, I like Voyager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I'm Vo <laughs> but Voyager also used a blue alert um, for, uh, again, auxiliary power. Um, yeah. I think it was Year of Hell when they had to conserve energy. Energy and then blue, yeah. Or blue and or gray mode. Yeah. Right. And then the last one, which is the one I remembered. Uh, the Prometheus went to blue alert when activating its multiple... Multi-vector assault mode. Yeah, because I remember seeing the blue and the... Yeah. So, I mean, there are several examples. Um, some are similar, some are not similar. Some have no... Yeah, a lot of them have to do with energy saving, mm -hmm. which makes sense or, to me. Or a change in status or... Environmental. Status, yeah. Yeah. But blue alert, like, there is green alert, there's yellow alert, there's red alert, obviously. There's orange alert, too. And was there a green alert? Yeah, there was a green alert. I don't. They used it in the animated series. I don't remember. No, that doesn't count. 
<laughs> That's true. Well, it doesn't no, count. No, yeah, it doesn't in canon, I guess. But uh, I would be guessing there are all different colors. If you look behind the captain in the Excelsior mm -hmm. in Star Trek um, Three, mm -hmm. okay, when the Excelsior looked like a huge open, I don't know, the bridge was like seventy-five yards long. Right. Um, there are actually colors there on the wall, mm -hmm. and they're at yellow alert. But there's a green, there's a blue, there's a red, there's a yellow, and there's something else. Right. So. There must be a, an alert for all of those. Yeah. So I, I just thought it was weird because, I mean, you've never seen, like, the Enterprise D going to blue alert to separate the saucer. Mm. And that would be But usually similar. it was done in red alert, though. Uh, but not all the... T well, I guess it... That's another thing, that the Enterprise in the first few seasons, in, in mm. uh, the uh, next generation, didn't have the red lights on the side of the bridge when they went to red alert. Mm. It was only on certain things. Well, like with the Prometheus going to blue alert when it activates multi-vector assault mode, mm -hmm. if it was going into battle, why wouldn't it just go right to red alert? Well, according to Memory Alpha, blue alert is for environmental docking separation or landing. So I, I don't. I, I I just feel like it's it covers too broad of a spectrum. I I don't know. I mean, but landing. It yeah. could be um. It could be tailored for the different ship classes too. Yeah, it could. Uh, what do you want, brown alert to no, land? Well, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I, that's why I said a, an alert condition should stay standard through the fl fleet no matter what ship you're on. Plaid instead, alert. Instead of um, varying from ship to ship, because that's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it probably was, and again, it's probably because of writing. Nobody yeah. stayed, you know, it, it, the same because there were different writers, different people doing different things, mm -hmm. for uh, more for a, theore a theoretical, <laughs> theatrical stimulation than anything. Right. Blue makes you feel cold. It makes it feel drab. It makes it feel like this stuff missing. Mm -hmm. I, I really love the lighting in Voyager uh, when they went to uh, Blue Alert. Yeah. I, it's just it's a cool looking and over the over, overhead they actually in Voyager they had similar to the original Enterprise they had that dome yeah and it went blue too which was awesome yeah yeah in the next generation they supposedly had a window which they didn't show a lot because it didn't look up yeah but there was there, a window was there so a couple of uh, very minor scenes where we saw that yeah yeah that's, that's basically a skylight. Up. Yeah, uh, in yeah, put a skylight and a ship in the middle of space. <laughs> Great. Um, the other part that makes no sense is uh, well, Excelsior, the new one, when um, either uh, yeah, basically Sulu. Yep. When they redesigned it, that had great lighting. I love that bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Because the background, even the map, changed uh -huh. colors. Mm -hmm. The design of the ship mm -hmm. changed, and I think they should have that on every ship. The design of the ship behind the it. The system. Yeah. Master, Master systems, systems of course. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, so that's what's really chafing your uh, your quantum phase. Uh, what? No way. <laughs> chafing your quantum phase. <laughs> phase, I guess. What? Uh, chafing my quantum, quantum phase. Phase, <laughs> phase. phase no. I heard face. Your uh, flux is chafed or something. That's I don't know. that's what's put my quantum state in the flux this week. It, uh, yeah. Oh, he said it again. I have. <laughs> I have. Uh, something in mind for next time. Okay, so what is our topic going to be next time? I don't know. That's a big shock. <laughs> uh, you have any uh, suggestions? I don't know. I was thinking, uh, putting the idea out there yesterday of uh, doing, like, religions of Star Trek. That's an interesting one. I was oh. actually thinking of that before, too. 
that's a great topic. I think we because should go with it. They all yeah. have different uh, religions, and yeah, they all seem to do the same thing. Screw everybody up. No. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. Why don't we do that? Why don't you put that out on the page? We'll anybody out there that wants to send in their their uh, suggestions or comments or anything like that, just like we do every week. Well, yeah. every two weeks. Yeah. You know, going beyond that third wall again. I'm telling everybody how things work. Right. Um, and uh, we'll go with that. And uh, we'll figure out what's uh, chafing you again. Why am I saying chafing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll I, I, I really hope Star Trek never gives me uh, chafing issues. <laughs> this uniform really sucks. No. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you. Uh, we'll see everybody next time. Eric, are you going to be on with us? Sure. Okay. It sounds good to you, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah I great. think we got a good uh, triumvirate here. Yeah. So. Um, okay, a so trekumvirate. Yeah, a trekumvirate. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So until next time, Marty Hogan, Aaron Gallo, Eric Perry, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can check out our website at www.novacharter.com slash SFEP. You can follow us on Twitter at SFEscapePod or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash SFEscapePod.